Hey, we're diving into a new series this week called Foolproof. Uh, the reality is we live in a culture that thrives on information. It thrives on intelligence. We boast in degrees. We pride ourselves in being smart. We live with an I-can-do-anything kind of swagger. And this is why we never talk about our failures on social media, right? Because we want people to think that we're smart. We want people to think that we are all put together. And we want them to think that we only have successes and very limited, if ever, or few failures, right? Because we, we want this appearance from people, having it all together. The problem is, smart enough isn't good enough. Smart enough isn't good enough to guarantee success in the things that really matter in life. And don't just take my word for it. Just think for a moment about history. Consider the example of Howard Hughes. Howard Hughes was an aviation genius. In his day and age, he was one of the wealthiest men on the planet and yet, in spite of all his wealth, in spite of his business acumen, in spite of his genius, he ran off everyone he knew. He burned through multiple marriages. He died alone, a reclusive life in his penthouse apartment. Or think about Nikola Tesla. No, not the car. Long before Elon Musk founded Tesla. He named the company after Nikola Tesla, an inventor. inventor. This guy holds over 200 patents. We credit him with the invention of the electric motor, the invention of radio control, which at the time everyone thought had some evil power behind it. How are you controlling that thing? He's the one that brainchild wireless transmission and even had the idea of wireless charging and was trying to design it. And this was almost a hundred years ago. And yet no one wanted to work with the man. No one would marry him or live with him. He died alone and in spite of all of his patents, he died penniless. See, smart enough isn't good enough because even being a genius doesn't guarantee success in the things that really matter. So how do we avoid succeeding in our careers but losing our marriages? How do we avoid being successful in business but having our kids far from us? So the good news is God has left us with wisdom for how to avoid the foolish decisions that trip up and ruin even the smartest of people. And he's left this wisdom for us in a little book we call Proverbs. The book of Proverbs in the Old Testament is God's wisdom for life. Over the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at God's wisdom for how to navigate the challenges of life, of relationships, God's wisdom for controlling passions, God's wisdom for managing finances, God's wisdom even for parenting our kids. And what we find in all of this is God's way of navigating through what he himself designed. But all of it begins with one simple premise, a premise that we start out with today that is foundational for the entire book of Proverbs and really foundational for life. Succeeding in the things that matter in life cannot happen apart from the creator of life. And that's where we begin our journey. So turn with me to the book of Proverbs 
Turn with me to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs in the Old Testament, if you aim for about halfway in your Bible, you'll likely hit the book of Psalms. Go one book to the right, one block to the right, and you'll hit Proverbs. Psalm, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Songs. Proverbs chapter one is where we begin our journey. This is, again, God's wisdom for living tucked away for us so that we can refer back to it and begin in Proverbs chapter one, beginning at verse one. And it begins this way. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. Let the wise hear an increase in learning, and the one who understands obtain guidance. To understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. For the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So just stop there with me. The book opens really explaining what we're entering into. It says, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. These are Proverbs. The proverb literally is a a short axiom. It's a short statement. Proverbs uh, compare or contrast things in order to help us decipher what is good from what is bad, what is best from what might be broke. Proverbs are designed to give us this wisdom for living. Do this, not that. And throughout the book then, the book of Proverbs is designed to hold up wisdom in contrast to folly. Hey, this is what a wise life, this is what a wise decision, what a wise relationship looks like. This is what folly looks like. And in very simple statements with very vivid pictures, the book of Proverbs is designed to give you a picture of how to do life better. But it's not just for information's sake. Look at verse 2. It says, to know wisdom and instruction. And that word to know is not just know in a cognitive sense. There's a relational sense to this word. It's the same word used to know someone, the same word to be in relationship with someone. Proverbs is saying, hey, this isn't just a mental exercise. There is a pursuit in this. There is an intimacy behind this that matters if you are to discover wisdom. And they use a relational word because this wisdom ultimately is tied to a relationship. That's why you see five times in just these first few verses the word wise or wisdom. It's holding it up as a goal. And understand as the book of Proverbs will carry out, there is a huge and a world of difference between wisdom and knowledge. There's a difference between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is having the right information. Wisdom is knowing what to do with it. There's a difference Knowledge is knowing what to say. Wisdom is knowing when to say it. Or whether it should flow off of your lips today, tomorrow, or in what tone. In the, uh, to quote the wisdom of the internet, knowledge is knowing a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad. Right? There's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. Martin Luther King, when pressed by those who were trusting in science and investigation versus the the folly, in their view, of blind faith, Martin Luther King went on and said this. He said, science investigates. 
religion interprets. Science gives man knowledge, which is power. Religion, or faith, gives man wisdom, which is control. We've all seen the danger of power without control. It's knowledge without wisdom. And it can ruin a life. It can ruin a relationship. And that's why you see in verse 3 that wisdom is really to receive instruction and wise dealing in righteousness, in justice, in equity. It's not just having fast facts. Wisdom is having something deeper that leads you in an understanding of righteousness, an understanding of what justice looks like, an understanding of equity. See, wisdom is not just job skills, it is moral skillfulness. How do you make it through a complex life? How do you deal with complex relationships? What do you do with people who hurt you? A marriage that isn't going where you thought it would. Children who aren't obedient. Bosses who aren't supportive. How do you manage the tricky things in life? It requires a moral skillfulness. There are all kinds of people who are successful in business, but they're jerks in real life. We know this. You may work for one. You may live next to one. See, it's one thing to be shrewd in business practices, to do what it takes to get ahead. But you can do all that and end up at the end of your life with all of the best toys, but no one to share them with. You can end up in a gorgeous home, but no one who wants to live under its roof with you. Proverbs is giving us a better way, an alternative not just to the stuff of life, but to what life ultimately really boils down to. See, there is a difference between making a living versus making a life. Wisdom and God and his wisdom wants to give you the latter. So the question then is how do we get wisdom? And it answers that question for us in Proverbs verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Now, at first you say, well, I thought there was a difference between wisdom and knowledge, and now this is saying the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Understand that word beginning literally means foundation. So if you want to start building towards knowledge and then pass knowledge to even wisdom, the foundation for it all begins with God himself. And fear in this sense is not fear in the afraid sense of the word. It's a relational word once again because wisdom demands relationship with God. And the relationship here then demands a worshipful submission. That's what is meant by fear. Submission. Worshipful submission. An awe and a reverence. See, Proverbs is saying it's not just about knowing the right stuff. It's about knowing the right person. Having the right relationship. Proverbs 9, 10 would reiterate this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. See, what Proverbs ultimately is saying is that as, as an alphabet is to reading, as notes are to music, as numbers are to math, God is to wisdom. You cannot have the latter detached from the former. 
To boil it down simply, wisdom for life can only be found from the one who created life. Wisdom for life, for living life, navigating all the the dynamics of life can only be found from and in and through the one who created life. Think about it this way. We have trouble in our house with a, a certain individual who's always frustrated by their homework assignments and, and, and doesn't understand how they're supposed to do it or, or, or what they're supposed to do. And so we always ask the obvious question, what did the teacher say? What did teacher say? What did teacher say you're supposed to do? What is teacher looking for? What did she say you're, you're supposed to put together and how it's supposed to look and when it's due? And the answer always inevitably is, I don't remember. Well, this makes it very difficult then to figure out how to achieve what the person has asked of you when you don't remember what the person has said, right? When you've been given an assignment and you don't understand or remember the instructions, it's really hard to hit the target. How many of us are walking through life trying to figure out how to hit the target and we have no idea what teacher has said? We weren't listening, we're not tuned in, we're not even in relationship. We don't know what success looks like because we haven't listened to the one and what his definition of the bullseye looks like. So we're chasing all these different bullseyes in life. And the problem with that is you find all kinds of people at the end of life saying, this is not what I thought. All of this doesn't matter. I arrived here, but that was empty. And over and over again, this is what the book of Proverbs calls us back to. In fact, this is why the author of Proverbs often refers to himself as the teacher. And it carries on even into the book of Ecclesiastes. There is a voice to listen to. And wisdom for life can only be found then from the one who created it. So Proverbs calls us not to trust ourselves, but then to seek him, to seek God. Flip over with me to Proverbs chapter 28. Proverbs 28, 26. Proverbs 28, 26 says this, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. So here again is this contrast, like I was telling you about. Proverbs compare and they contrast. So the contrast here is that he who trusts in his mind ends up a fool. He who listens to the one who designed life and walks in that wisdom is delivered. See, trusting in your own strength and your own ability and your own intellect will always leave you with blind spots. We all have blind spots in life. This is why we whisper about people behind their back. Do you think he realizes his fly is down? Do you think she realizes X, Y, and Z, how that came across to everybody? How that sounded in the middle of the meeting? See, we lack self-awareness. It's an Achilles heel. We can see in others far better and far greater than we can see into ourselves. Because of this, we need wisdom. We cannot go it alone. We cannot think 
that we can make it in our own strength, trusting our own ability or our own smarts. And unfortunately, we live in a world that tells us that you can. Think about the wisdom of the world in this. The wisdom of the world says this, and the wisdom of the internet. You do you. Do what feels right. Follow your heart. Guys, this is terrible advice. This is terrible advice. Do you know what happens when you follow your heart? I I know what happens when I follow mine. Here's the deal. If I were to follow my heart, my heart, my mind, my body says, eat what you want. Except I have high cholesterol. I really do. And my doctor says that to eat what I want would absolutely be horrible for me. I have to rein a lot in just to look this good, guys. Now, the reality is I can look in the mirror and my mind tells me I'm fine. Have more. Eat what you want. But that pattern ended me up in a heart hospital at the age of 30. And my doctor said, that won't work for you. My heart tells me hit the snooze button, except employment dictates that I show up on time. See, my heart tells me to look at things I ought not to do, do things I most certainly would one day regret, and say things that would inevitably be destructive in my relationships. Trusting my heart is foolish because I often react instead of respond. I assume the worst of people instead of the best. And I'm naturally drawn to do what's good for me instead of what's good for others. You do you, you follow your heart, will only lead you to pain. And God, in his love for us, is attempting to keep us from that. Why is it this way? Proverbs 26, 12 again reinforces this. Do you see a man who's wise in his own eyes? There is more help for a fool than for him. There's more help for a fool than someone who's wise in their own eyes, following their own heart, doing themselves, right? You do you. Why is it this way? Here's why. Because life is not random. Life is not accidental. Life is governed by laws and principles. And if you ignore those laws and principles, you discover folly. Think about it this way. Howard Hughes understood that there were laws governing aerodynamics. And if you follow the laws of aerodynamics, you can get something to fly. Howard Hughes, ages ago, designed and created the largest aircraft known to man and proved everyone wrong by making it fly because he followed the laws of aerodynamics. If you don't follow the laws of aerodynamics, Howard Hughes understood then that you're introduced to the law of gravity. Here's the thing. Just as there are laws of aerodynamics, Scripture tells us there are laws and principles governing life. There are laws and principles governing relationships. There are laws and principles governing finances. And God gave us all of the instruction on this. And just as there are laws 
that we can't ignore without consequence in the physical realm. There are laws and principles that we cannot ignore in the relational and spiritual realm without consequence. And the book of Proverbs was given to guide us, to keep us from ending up in the ditch. Proverbs calls us to listen to the one who designed the laws. And yet so many of us are leading our lives listening only to ourselves. See, here's what Proverbs is saying. Proverbs is saying we are most at risk when we trust our own judgment instead of God's wisdom. We are most at risk for failure. We are most at risk for discovering the law of gravity and crashing and burning when we trust our own wisdom instead of God's. That's why if you want to be successful in your career, that's fine. But the greater goal, Proverbs says, is to be successful in life. And to be successful in life is to heed the wisdom of the one who designed it and created its laws. One of the most famous passages then in the book of Proverbs reinforces this. Proverbs chapter 3, beginning at verse 5. We'll put it on the screens. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding In all your ways, acknowledge who? Him. And he will make your path straight. We often forget verse 7 though. Be not wise in your own eyes, but fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. It's a promise of God. Be not wise in your own eyes, But if you look to him, if you turn to him, if you pursue him, it will be healing to your flesh, refreshment to your bones. See, there's that command again in verse 7, right? Fear. Fear the Lord. Again, we, we so often get confused, as I mentioned before, this isn't fear in the afraid sense. There are two kinds of fear in this, relationally, right? We're, we're afraid of people that we think might hurt us, but there's another kind of relational fear that comes in. There's another trembling that happens. The other trembling that happens in relationships is when we meet someone we look up to. Have you ever met someone that you absolutely adore, your favorite singer, a personal hero, maybe someone on a book tour or at the end of a concert and you were invited to the VIP lounge and you got to meet them and all of a sudden you find yourself flustered and you find your body trembling, the same physiological response as when we are afraid and yet you're not afraid. What are you? You're awestruck. You find yourself overwhelmed with who this person is. The book of Proverbs is saying, hey, find yourself overwhelmed with God. Find yourself captivated with who God is. So focused on him that everything else falls away. Because in those moments when we meet our personal hero, we find ourselves saying, I don't know what to say. I I I was going to ask you a question. I I I can't remember who I am. I don't remember my name. They ask you a question, where are you from? You're like, I don't know. Like everything goes out of mind because we're so captivated by them. And oh, would that be our response to God? That everything else falls away because we find ourselves so captivated with who God is and so focused on his word that we let everything from the world's wisdom 
that we let it go. See, wisdom is found when we choose to be captivated with the one who created life and when we heed that. Proverbs 19, 23, the fear of the Lord leads to life. Whoever has it rests satisfied. You hear the themes over and over and over again in the book of Proverbs. We love playing games as a family. And recently my kids have been on a tear with this, one of their favorite games. You remember this? Old classic? It's the game of life. And we love playing it. I think especially kids love playing it, right? Because it gives them an opportunity to be a little bit grown up for a moment, right? To choose a career and make money and dream of getting away from mom and dad. Yes, please keep that dream up, right? right, We love the game of life. We love that iconic sound. The other night, we're we're playing the game of life. We pull it out. we're, We're all on our knees around the table. And we're playing the game, except my, my daughter, who's, who's nine, just wants to get right into the game. She's the creative one. She's the one of action. She doesn't want to sit and have to think about much. And so we're trying to remind her, hey, hey, we got to read the rules. You got to know how to set it up. And she's like, no, no, no. And she just takes off. And the thing about the game of life is at some point you hit these crossroads where you have to make some critical decisions And without the right information, you can end up making decisions early in the game of life that later on you end up wishing you hadn't made. By the end of the game, my daughter was frustrated that though she had arrived first, she didn't win. She didn't have as much money. She hadn't built up the same career. She hadn't gotten the same opportunities for real estate as everyone else in the game. And so when we tallied up our life's worth by the end of the game, she found herself last, not first. And she was frustrated. And we had to just tell her, this is why at the beginning of the game, we have to read the rules. And we tried to tell you what the rules were and you didn't want to listen to us and you didn't want to read it for yourself. You ignored the instructions and now you're frustrated. So many of us are going through the game of life and we're wanting to bypass the instructions. We're wanting to just dive right in. I know what it looks like. I I know where I'm going. I know what to do. Except inside the box, God wrote down what he was thinking. Hey, this was the intent. This is the objective. This is what I want you to aim for. And if we don't get to know the author of the game, and we don't spend time learning the design, and heeding his wisdom and his instructions, we end up at the end of the game of life disappointed. Not disappointed that we didn't have more, though, but disappointed that we missed the point, that we figured it out too late, that the things that we thought would bring us joy didn't, and the things that we now realize would bring us joy, we wasted. So what's the takeaway in this? What does it look like for us to pursue wisdom and to find wisdom for living? Here's the thing, very simply, You will not possess the wisdom of God apart from a walk with God. 
that apart from a steady walk with God. If you're trying to navigate this life alone without walking with God, you'll stumble. If you're trying to walk and navigate the game of life without understanding the rules that he wrote for life, you'll fall. Here's the thing. If you're not walking with God, how do you expect to know his will? So what does it look like to walk with God? For me, in a very regular way, I boil it down to two things. Daily surrender. Daily surrender. By the way, you can't do this without conversation with God. That's prayer. But daily surrender. Where I get before God and, and, and I literally, in a posture that just reminds my body what the attitude of my heart should be, I, I just open my hands before him and I daily surrender my life. I daily surrender my children. I daily surrender meetings that I'm concerned about. I daily surrender the things that are on my mind. And with that open hand, I remind myself and I very frequently tell God that he can take whatever he wants from and put anything in. I surrender my life. I plead before him. I don't know what to do about this. I don't know what to do about that. I don't feel like I'm going to make it through X, Y, or Z. So God, I surrender to you. And each and every day I find myself, my eyes opening up once more. God has led me. God has guided me. Daily surrender. The second thing is, though, the second thing is a regular pursuit of God's word. God has given us the instruction manual for the game of life. And we got to read it. Maybe the challenge for you is just to begin with those two things. That posture of daily surrender. As often as you think of it, try to practice that out. Surrender the things that you're concerned about. Surrender the things that you're asking questions about. And then get into the rule book. And spend time hearing the wisdom of God. Because he recorded it that you might have it. And so many of us say, well, God's not answering me. Maybe he has. <laughs> well, I asked God and he didn't give me the answer. Maybe he already did. Spending a few moments just navigating the pages. It doesn't mean that you have to read it all in one shot. You understand it's a complicated book, right? There, there are certain games you open the rule book and you're like, whoa. Yeah, because it's a big game. There's a lot at stake. If you don't know where to begin, I would just encourage you to begin in the New Testament book of John. In the New Testament book of John. If you're seasoned in your faith, you've been walking with God for a while, take a chapter a day. If this is new to you, just a paragraph or a section at a time. And if you don't have a Bible so that you can do this on a regular basis, then come see us after in the lobby at guest services. We will give you a Bible, the same one that I use, so that you can begin this journey. Here's the thing. The problem is that so many of us want answers from God without a relationship with God. We want the benefits of a life with God without doing the work of walking with him. And that's one of the laws and one of the principles. That if you want the wisdom of God, you have to be in step with him. So as we close, let me ask you this one question. What's the one thing in life right now that you are just stuck on? You can't figure it out. It is not going right. It's going sideways on you. What's that one thing 
the burden that you walked in with, the burden that you'll drive home with, the thing you're pleading with God to show up and answer or deliver or provide. And would you take that today before God and would you surrender it and would you surrender your life and would you ask for his wisdom? And not just once, but keep at it. Here's the beauty of our God. Even if you feel like you've been far away and you strayed and you made all of these mistakes and I don't know if I can come back and I don't know if God's going to answer me. I don't know if he even likes me anymore. The beauty of our God is he says, if you seek me, you will find me. And what the gospel tells us is that God so loves us that he gave up his son so that those who walked the way of folly might be brought back and given a second chance. God never gives up on his people. And it's never too late to start pursuing his way for navigating life. Would you pray with me? If you've never taken up that posture of surrender before God, of turning your life over to him, and you don't even really know what that looks like or what that means, then as we close, I want to invite you to do so. It's not complicated, actually. What the scriptures say is that when we bow before him and confess our sin, he is faithful and just to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. That's the step. And so right where you are right now, you can bow your heart and bow your mind in a posture of surrender and confess that you've been chasing your own way and surrender your life to him. And you can have the assurance that God will hear you and forgive you and he will begin to lead you. And so would you do that? If you don't know what that conversation looks like, would you just pray after me? Father, we confess, I confess, how often I've pursued my own way, my own wisdom. So Father, I surrender my life. Father, would you teach me a new way to live? Would you teach me how to walk in step with you? Would you keep me, God, from error and from folly? Father, would you forgive me of my sin? Father, for those in the room who are struggling with deep burdens, relational, they're at the crossroads of a career and they don't know what to do and they're crying out to you for wisdom. Father, I pray for these, my friends. Would you, Father, speak to them through your word, through your spirit, through your people. God, would you open doors for them this week? Would you show them that you can be trusted, that you are a God who is living and active and responds to his people, and you are a good father that when we ask for bread, does not give us a stone, but he provides. So Father, we ask you to work and to move, and we ask it with confidence that you hear us. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. If you want to talk to someone about a decision you've made or let us know how God is moving through this series, visit nebc.ch contact. Be sure to stay connected with us throughout the week on social media, download our app, or subscribe to our weekly podcasts. 
Thanks for listening to today's message, and we hope that you join us as we continue to make disciples on mission for Jesus Christ.